And we're in a series, been in a series for a few weeks now that we have called What's Next? Somebody say, What's Next? And what we're talking about really is this spiritual journey that God wants to take all of us on. Uh, and, and what we've said is that all of us are somewhere in this, in this process. We're somewhere along the journey. Maybe there are those of us that haven't received Jesus as as uh, received salvation or forgiveness yet, and, and that's our step in the journey. But, but no matter where we are on this journey with God, there's always a next step. There's always something more. There's always something else that God wants you to do, another step that God wants you to take. And so that's what we've been talking about in this series and really just these four aspects of our vision as a church and what we believe God wants for every single one of you and every person that, that comes to church here that calls this church home. And I want to recap, just just take a minute or two and recap where we've been uh, because I believe it's important. And we'll go through here in a moment, we'll go through all four of these these points so that you can kind of better understand them. We've done that every single week so far. Uh, and we're doing these in reverse order, which you'll figure out in just a moment. We've, we've started with the fourth one and we're working our way back so that we know where God intends for us to be. And now we're talking about how we can get there. And in part one... Uh, we were talking about on a, on a subject, the title of the message was Chase the Rabbit. If you remember this, we said that, that uh, there was this dog race, and what they would do is they would, uh, they would send this mechanical rabbit out on this track in the center, and that would cause the dogs to run so that they would race around. And one time they were there, and the mechanical rabbit exploded on the spot, and nobody knew what to do. You know, some of the dogs just lay down and took a nap. Some of them ran through a fence and ended up breaking some ribs and hurting themselves. And, and others, you know, they just looked at everybody that was in the crowd that was there to watch these dogs run, and they just started barking at everybody, you know, just, just going crazy. And we talked about how that's a picture of humanity, really, that when you're not, when you're not pursuing the thing that God has for your life, uh, a lot, some of us will just lay down and take a nap. We'll just sleep through life and not really do anything to make an impact. Some of us will will end up hurting ourselves because we try to do it our way or try to do things the way that we see fit. And then some of us just bark at everybody around us, you know, because we're just frustrated about uh, that we're that we're not fulfilling the purpose really that God has for our life. And so we've got to chase the thing that God intends for us to chase, so that we can be fulfilled in life. And then last week in part two, the message was titled "I Was Made for This," and we said. A couple of things. The first one was that God created, sometimes we get it backward, but God created a purpose and then he created you. And so the Bible tells us that God created, you know, he created us to do good works and do the things that he created for us to do before we were ever born. So God, what he did is he created a purpose and said, this is the purpose and something I want to have accomplished, and I'm going to create a person. I'm going to create somebody that can fulfill that specific purpose. And so we talked about that last week, that we were created on purpose for a purpose. And if you remember, we said that, and, and we, we declared it over ourselves. But what I want you to know is that God has a purpose for you. God has something that he wants you to discover, and God is trying to show you. He wants to show you. He wants to tell you what his purpose is for your life if you'll just allow him, if you'll make time, if you'll do the things so that God can show that to you. And today, uh, for part three of this series, I want to talk to you on this topic. I've titled the message today, I Want It All. Somebody say, I want it all. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say it like you mean it. Say, I want it all. I want it all. And, and our theme verse for this series has been this. It's Proverbs 29, 18. And you can read it here on the screen. This is the message translation. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And we've already established that many of us, this has been our life. We've stumbled all over ourselves because we haven't been paying attention to what God is doing and we're not chasing after the thing that God has for our lives. But the second half of the verse says, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. 
In other words, whenever you pay attention to what it is that God wants you to be doing, you can't, and, and this word blessed we discovered was, it means a contentment in your soul that's not contingent upon anything else around you. Which really makes sense when you think about it. Because when you're paying attention to what God is revealing to you and what God has for your life, you're not paying attention to the other stuff that's going on around you. And so you have this contentment in your soul that says, you know what, no matter what's going on around me, I know that I'm fulfilling God's purpose for my life. I know that I'm right where I should be. And I know that God is doing something through me. And so this has been our theme verse for this entire series and kind of what we've based it on. And I want to go through uh, these four topics that we're talking about in this series really quickly. And I believe these are four things that God wants for your life. And we have these. They're even posted in the lobby when you walk into church. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But these are four things we believe God wants for you. The first one is to know God. To know God. The first and most important thing is for you to know God. Not, not religion, but relationship. Not to know God, not to know about God, but to actually know God personally in your heart, to have a relationship with Him, to give your life to Him. And then the second one, after you know God, then you've got to find freedom. And this is what we're going to be talking about today specifically. And, and this, is, this is dealing with the things in your life that, if you, that you know if they weren't there, you'd be better. It's, it's dealing with and finding freedom from the things in your life that you know, man, if that thing was not in my life, if I didn't struggle with that, if I didn't have that bad habit, if I didn't have that addiction, if, if I could just let go of the past, if, if I could get rid of these things in my life, I know my life would be better. You just know it. You just know it. And you got to find freedom from those things. And then the third part was discover your purpose, which is what we talked about last week, that you were born on purpose for a purpose. And then uh, all of that. That, that comes to a head where you are making an impact because here's what we know everybody has a specific purpose but we all have one in common and that is that your ultimate purpose why you're here is to make an impact for eternity the main reason why you are here on earth is not to work that job it's not to do that thing it's not to have that family it's not you know all of those are great things and god wants you to enjoy those things but your ultimate purpose is to make an impact for the kingdom is to make an impact for eternity and today uh, we're going to talk about uh, a way that I believe you can find freedom in your life. And then at the end of the message, just to let you know where we're going, everybody here, uh, maybe you've never done this before, but everybody here is going to have the opportunity. We're going to give the opportunity for you to know God. Because today we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about what Jesus did for you and what Jesus did for me. And we're going to talk about some things that we can have in our lives right now. And just to kind of give you an overview and talk through it and, and read a couple of scriptures before we get into some points today. Uh, the cross and the crucifixion wasn't just something that Jesus did. Sometimes we look at it as something that Jesus just did. Jesus just came, he, he died on the cross for us, it was just something he did, but every part of it was intentional. Everything that happened to Jesus, every part of that process was intentional for you and for me, and we're going to talk about that today. But uh, we know that, that Jesus, you know, he has the Passover with his disciples where they're, they're eating the meal, really what was what we would celebrate today, and it's called communion. It was like the very first communion where he says, this is my body and this is my blood and this is what I'm about to do for you. Then we find Jesus, he's praying in the garden, and the Bible says that he's sweating what looks like drops of blood uh, while he's preparing, really preparing his heart for what God is about to do and what he's about to go through for you and I. Then he's arrested and he's, he's a part of all these trials during the night, and Here's what the Bible says that they were trying to do. The people that arrested him, the people that were trying to, to get him crucified, here's what they were trying to do in Matthew 26, 59. It says, the leading priests and the whole Jewish council tried to find something false against Jesus so they could kill him. 
They were trying to find something that they could pin on Jesus that wasn't even true. Why? Because Jesus was perfect. They couldn't come up with anything. They just knew, we don't like this guy. Hey, will you testify and say that he did something that he didn't do? Will you make this sound worse than what it actually was? Will you, you know, can we get you to lie on behalf of us so that we can have something that we can accuse Jesus of so that we can kill him? So that we can kill him. And then it, and then it goes on just about four verses later in 2663 of Matthew. It says, again, the high priest said to Jesus, I command you by the power of of the living God, and I kind of, I kind of chuckle, you know, a couple of times when I read this, because basically they're talking to Jesus. Here's somebody who's in Jesus' face, and they're saying, "Hey, I command you in the name of you to tell us if this is who you are, right? I command you in the name of the living God. We command you to tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God." And this word Christ, it's interesting. This name literally means the Anointed One who has the power to break the bondage off of your life. <laughs> so when we say Jesus Christ, well, here's what we're saying. Jesus, the anointed one who has the power to break all of the bondage off of my life. And they're saying, you need to tell us if this is, will, will you tell us who you really are? Is this who you are? And of course, Jesus' response in that moment was yes. And then they would send him off to go through this process leading to the cross. And that's what I want to talk about today and what's interesting to me is that there was a man named Isaiah who prophesied around 800 years before this happened to Jesus that this would happen to Jesus I don't know if you've ever read the book of Isaiah sometimes it's hard to understand the reason it's probably hard for you to understand is because he's prophesying a bunch of stuff that's going to happen in the future it's not stuff that was going on right now. He's telling about all these things that are to come. And then in the New Testament, if you read it, a lot of times it'll go back and it'll reference parts of Isaiah to say, you know, this was fulfilled by what Jesus did. And then it'll tell you what Isaiah had said and how it was fulfilled. But there's a, there's a verse that, that, that Isaiah, he, he, he basically prophesies that, he, that this is going to happen to Jesus. And then he explains some details that I want us to talk about. And we're going to pull these four details out and how you can have this. This is for you. This is what Jesus did for you. But this is how Isaiah writes it in, in uh, Isaiah 53, 5. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, some translations say by his stripes, we are healed. And I want to talk about these four different things in this one verse because they're for you. And too many Christians are on our, we're on our way to heaven but we're missing out on some things that Jesus paid for that we can have while we're here on the earth. We're on our way to heaven, but we're not experiencing everything that Jesus paid for. We're settling for less than what Jesus paid for. Jesus said, yes, I paid for your sin so that you can make it to heaven, but I also paid for some other things that you can have while you're here on the earth. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want us to look uh, at these in chronological order, not necessarily the way that Isaiah lines them out, but how they happened in this timeline of what Jesus uh, of what happened to Jesus as he was going to the cross. And so the first one I want to talk about is the whip. And I believe this represents freedom in my body. Freedom in my body. And the way that Isaiah writes it is he says, it's by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. So the first thing that they would do in that day and what they did to Jesus is they would take, uh, they would take a whip and they would, they would beat him and whip him. Now, I want to point out, because many of us have seen The Passion of the Christ. It's hard to believe it's already been about 15 years since that movie came out. It's crazy. Many of us have seen that movie, and it probably is one of the best 
depictions of what actually happened to Jesus. You know, because sometimes we see these movies in these pictures, and it's like they have this whip, and it looks like it's like, you know, string on the end of it. And, you know, they're like, whoosh, you know, and, and Jesus is like, oh, and all this or whatever. But what, it, what would really happen is they would take a rod, a wooden rod, and they would, they would tie these straps, they would attach these straps to it, and then attached to the straps, they would put wire and bone and glass and all of these things that would cut you. And so it's this picture that when Jesus was tied up, the people that were whipping him were not just whipping him, but the way that they would do it, if you, if you really study it out, the way that they would do it is they would take that with all of that stuff on the end of it, and they would slap it into his back or into his shoulder blades or whatever, and they would tear down. So when Jesus was whipped 39 times, sometimes we miss the, the, whole, uh, the whole thing that was happening there, that 39 times they took glass, bone, wire, and all of this stuff, threw it into his back, and pulled the skin off of him. And then they would, re- then they would, they would rev up again. Here's number two. <sighs> Rip some more skin off of him. It's not this, this really this pretty picture. It's, it's that Jesus was, was beaten. And the Bible says that this happened 39 times. And the reason it happened 39 times is because each time represented some disease or some sickness that would be in the world that Jesus was going to heal us from. It represents our healing. The reason it happened 39 times is because Jesus didn't just pay the price for sin. He paid the price for sickness as well. And many of us, we've, we've claimed, oh, Jesus paid for my sin, Jesus paid for my sin. Jesus paid for your sickness. Jesus paid for you to be healed. Jesus paid so that you didn't have to go through life living that way. Well, you know, Gabe, why doesn't God heal everybody? I don't know. Here's what I do know. I believe that God heals some people on earth, and he heals other people in heaven. So one way or another, God is healing It's either he's healing you in heaven or he's healing you on earth, but Jesus still paid for your healing. And I don't have a great answer as to why, you know, why does this person get healed and that person not get healed? Well, they got healed really in heaven, ultimately, but why did they not, why did this person get healed on earth and that person? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why, why God, here's what I do know, that God is sovereign and that he has a plan and that we just have to trust him and we have to trust his plan no matter no matter what that looks like in our lives are you with me but jesus didn't just pay for your sin he paid for your sickness as well first peter 2:24 says it this way it says he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed it doesn't say by his wounds you can be healed it doesn't say by his wounds you might be healed It says, by his wounds you have been. That means it's already happened. That means Jesus already did everything he needed to do so that you could be healed. By his wounds, by his stripes, you have been already healed. Amen? So you can have freedom in your body. And we're going to pray for that here in just a little bit, that maybe you've got something going on in your body. But uh, it's important to know that the words are in the past tense. You have already been healed. So you can have freedom in your body. Here's number two. I want to talk about the thorns, and I believe this represents freedom in your mind. Come on, anybody need freedom in your mind? (laughs) Some of y'all need so much freedom in your mind, you can't even say that you need freedom in your mind. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You need freedom in your mind. 
the, Isaiah said it this way, it's the punishment that brought us peace. The punishment that brought us peace. So what they would do next is after Jesus was, was whipped and, and the skin was basically ripped from his body 39 different times, they took him over into a corner. <laughs> they took him off to the side. And they, they hit him, they slapped him, they spit on him, they made fun of him, they mocked him. And then at the end of all of that, they took a crown that they had made out of these two-inch thorns that had two-inch thorns all the way around it, and they took it and they put it on his head and they shoved it into his head, into his head. And we see the pictures that, you know, there's blood flowing from Jesus' face, and rightfully so. I mean, we would all be bleeding for that. But another thing that was happening that's important to notice is that Jesus, there would have been intense pain. I can't think of anybody in this room that would say if somebody took two-inch thorns and made a crown out of it and shoved it into your head that there would be no intense pain in your head. I mean, can you imagine Jesus is there and they're mocking him, beating him. They take this crown of thorns, they shove it into his head. He's not only bleeding on the outside, he's bleeding on the inside. There's pain that's going on on the inside of his head and Isaiah saw these thorns and this crown and he made a very interesting comment about it he said this is the punishment on him that brought us peace the punishment on him that brought us peace let me ask you a question where do you have non-peace in your head do your feet not have peace do your hands not have peace where, where do you not have peace? It's right here. It's the thoughts that you keep thinking until 2 o'clock in the morning until you eventually finally fall asleep. It's the thing that you keep running over and over and over and over in your mind. It's the, it's the fearful thoughts. It's all that. Where we have no peace is right here in our mind. It's in our head. And Isaiah said this punishment that Jesus is about to endure is going to give you peace. It's going to bring you peace in fact john 14 27 says it this way says peace i leave what does he leave with you peace i leave with you my peace i give you man that's good news for somebody right there. that's good news for me that it's not your peace <laughs> it's my peace jesus said listen I'm going to give you, I know that you're going to need peace, and I've already paid for you to have the peace, and peace I'm going to leave with you. Not the world's peace, not the kind of peace that you get from drinking a little bit too much so that you can forget about your problems, not the kind of peace that you end up taking something because you need to relax for a little bit because you got so much going on. That's not the kind of peace that, he's, that he said, I leave you. He said, I leave you the ultimate peace, the perfect peace. Peace, the kind of peace that you can't even understand is what the Bible says. It's the kind of peace that you don't, it just, you can't even wrap your mind around the kind of peace that Jesus paid for for you to have. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So if you're stressed, if you're worried and anxious and fearful, or troubled, as it says here in verse 27, then you might be going to heaven, but you're missing out on a benefit that Jesus paid for you to have while you're on earth. You're on your way to heaven, but Jesus didn't just pay for your sins. He also left you peace. The punishment that was on him was to bring you peace. Peace. Peace in your mind. Freedom in your mind. 
from the things that torment you. Freedom. You can have freedom in your mind. You may not think you can, but you can. Jesus paid for you to have it. And anything that Jesus paid for you to have, you can have. Jesus paid for freedom in your body, you can have it. Jesus paid for freedom in your mind, you can have it. You can have it. Here's number three. It's the nails. This represents freedom in my hands. Freedom in my hands. And Isaiah said it this way. He said, it pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions. Pierced for our transgressions. So after Jesus has been beaten, whipped, and the skin ripped from his body 39 different times, the crown of thorns shoved into his head, they finally decide, okay, we're going to crucify him. You know, you just go do what you're going to do because you're going to do it anyway. Go ahead and go crucify the guy. They make him carry his own cross all the way to where he's going to be crucified. After going through everything that he's been through, they make him carry his, his own cross all the way to where he was going to be crucified. And where do they nail him? They nail him to the cross. Where do they nail him? They nail him in his hands and in his feet. They nail him by his hands and they nail him by his feet. And the reason they do that, they would put just enough bend in the knee that while you're hanging on the cross, it wasn't like this. It was actually hanging like this. And the only way that you could get air was to push yourself up, get some air, and then sink back down. It was very intentional the way that they put people on the cross. When Jesus died for you, it was there was something intentional about it. And what do our hands and feet represent? Here's what I think our hands and feet represent. Your hands represent everything you've ever done. And your feet represent everything or everywhere you've ever gone. So everything you've ever done, Jesus paid for. Every place you've ever gone, Jesus paid for. He paid for it all. So you can have freedom from all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the things that you feel on the inside that you keep beating yourself up about even though you've asked Jesus to forgive you for those things and you've given your life to him. A lot of times we say that our sins have been forgiven, but there's even more than that. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12 says, Talking about God, this is what he says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will what? Remember their sin no more. So when God forgives you, he forgets it. <laughs> Some of you are trying to bring stuff up to God, and God's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, but remember me, and God's like, I don't, I don't remember that. Because when he forgave you, he forgot about it. We can think about it this way, maybe to put it in practical terms. For those of us that have kids, this is like uh, this is like your kid comes to you and they tell you that, hey, I was playing ball out in the front yard and I threw a ball through the neighbor's window, you know, and you just freak out, right? So you, the dad goes over and tells them, you know, apologizes to the neighbor and I'll pay for the window, gives them the money, pays for the window to be fixed, you know, a new window will be put in or whatever. And then what's the dad going to do most of the time? The dad's going to come back over to the house and sit the son down and scold the son. I told you not to be playing in the front yard. You were supposed to be in the backyard. If you had done what I told you to do, then this wouldn't have happened. And now I'm having to pay all this money because of what you did. And this is what we do here on earth. And, and some of us serve God that way. We look at God as somebody who, well, I believe he forgave me, but he's never going to let me forget it. I believe that he forgave my sin, but I'm never going to live it down. He'll always hold it against me. It's never going to go away. But God doesn't do that because the Bible says that whenever he forgave you, he forgot it. He's not holding it against you. 
He's not holding anything against you. Whenever he forgave you, whenever you came to him and said, I need to be forgiven for this, I receive your forgiveness, God forgot it. He offered you forgiveness and forgot it. But it goes on even farther than that. Because some of you believe that he's forgiven you and he's forgotten it, but you haven't forgotten it. So you think, well, I know God can forgive me and I believe that, you know, that God has forgotten it, but I haven't forgotten it. I still know that I broke the window. Come on, anybody at church today that knows that you still broke the window. You believe that maybe you've been forgiven and maybe God forgets it, but you haven't forgotten it yet. But this is what Hebrews 9.14 says. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our what? Consciences. From what? From sinful deeds that so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Can I just sum that up for you? Jesus didn't just pay for your sin. He paid for all the guilt and all the shame and all the times that you're going to beat yourself up over what you did. He wants to take all of that. He paid for every bit of it. Every bit of it. And many of us, we're walking around and we're on our way to heaven, but we're beating ourselves up while we're here on earth. Because of what you did five years ago, what you did last night, what you did three, what you did when you were a kid, and you just like, I know that God's forgiven me, but I can't forget it, and I can't forgive myself. Listen, Jesus, you're settling for less than what Jesus paid for. Because Jesus paid for your sin, but he also paid so that you didn't have to carry around the guilt and the shame of what you did. That you could be free. You could have freedom from the things that you've done. You could have freedom from the guilt and shame of where you've been. That you can have freedom in your hands. Jesus wants you to be free from the guilt and shame. So we talked about the whip, freedom in our bodies. We've talked about the, the thorns and the freedom in our minds. We've talked about freedom in our hands, where Jesus was nailed to the cross. And here's the last one as I bring the worship team back up. I want to talk about the spear. The very end of this story, Jesus, he breathes his last breath on the cross and the soldiers wanted to make sure that he was dead so they stuck a spear in his side under the rib cage to to puncture the heart so we think jesus is dead but just to make sure we're going to take a spear and we're going to stick it in his side up under the rib cage we're going to we're going to make sure that he's dead and the bible says that that a mixture of blood and water came out of his side that when they did this blood and water went spewing out came running out and i believe that the spear represents freedom in my heart freedom in your heart the bible says it this way in isaiah that he was crushed for our iniquities he was crushed and the bible uh, also says that that well let me say it this way how did how did jesus die because if they if they took the spear to make sure and and that everything was intentional Everything was intentional. Nothing was by accident. This whole process and what happened to Jesus, it was all intentional so that he could pay for things that you that he desired for you and I to have. So how did Jesus die? Did he die from blood loss? No. Did he die from pain? No. Did he die from suffocation? No. Medical science would say that the reason that blood and water came out of his side is because whenever they pierced his heart, it had already ruptured. 
his heart had already basically exploded. So how did Jesus die? What if Jesus died from a broken heart? And what if it's significant because he knew that you would experience a broken heart? And so he had to experience it and pay for it so that you could have freedom in your heart. Isaiah said that he was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed. And I wonder how many of you in here today have had your heart crushed. And if we were to go around the room, everybody could probably share a different story and something that you've been through that is the reason why your heart is crushed and why your heart's broken. I wonder how many of us have had our heart broken, maybe by a divorce, maybe a lost child, maybe it's the loss of someone that you loved dearly, and maybe you feel like they died before it was, you know, before it was really their time. Maybe it's even something like disappointment, failure. What's caused, what's caused you to have a broken heart? And here's, here's the good news today. That if you're here and you got a broken heart, Jesus knew that you would go through that. And because he knew that you would go through that, he said, I'm going to pay for that in advance. Because here's what, here's what the Bible says in Psalms 147.3 about Jesus. It says he what? He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And Jesus knew that there would be things that would happen to you and happen in your life that would break your heart, that would crush you. And because he knew that was gonna happen, he said, I'm gonna pay the price ahead of time so that whenever that happens, I can be the God who heals the brokenhearted and binds up all of their wounds because I've already paid for it. I've already paid for it. It's already done. This is what we're, what we're talking about today are things that Jesus has already done for you. Jesus has already given you freedom in your hands. He's already given you freedom from shame. He's already given you peace in your mind. He's already given you healing in your body. And he's already paid the price so that you can come to him. And, the, and he already said, I'm the God who heals the brokenhearted. So no matter what, no matter what's broken your heart, God says, today I can heal it, and you can have freedom in your heart. Because some of us today, we've been crushed, we've been brokenhearted, and some of us, we want our joy back. You just want your joy back. Your heart's been broken, and you just want joy. Some of you are sitting here, and you just say, I don't, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I want joy again. And God says, I... I sent Jesus to pay for that. 
so that you can have it. Will you stand to your feet today? Some of you need your heart to be healed. And here's how I want to end today. We're going to sing one final song in just a moment. But I want to pray for every one of these areas. Because I think every person in here can find themselves probably in one of these four categories. And what you need to know is no matter where you find yourself at in what we talked about today, Jesus already paid for it. He didn't just pay for your sin. That's great. You're on your way to heaven. Best thing ever. But he didn't just pay for your sin. He paid for your sickness. He paid for peace. He paid for your broken heart. He paid for the sin and the, the guilt and the shame that you keep carrying around. He paid for it all. And today, I believe Jesus is standing here. If, if we could see him today, I believe he's standing here with his hands out. And he says, will you give that to me? Because I already paid for it. And you can have freedom in that area of your life if you'll just give it to me. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes today? Here's what I want to ask you before I pray. If this is you today in one of these four areas and you find yourself, you know what? I need freedom. I need freedom in my heart. I need my joy back. I need peace in my mind. I need, I need freedom from the guilt and shame that I feel for the things that I've done. I believe that, you for, that God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. If, if you find yourself in any one of these areas, maybe you're dealing with sickness or something that's going on in your body, I believe that Jesus already paid for it. And so here's what I want to ask you to do before we pray. If you're saying, you know what, today I'm claiming the freedom that is mine in the name of Jesus. Will you just lift your hand right now? You ought to be proud to put it up. <laughs> God, right now you see every hand that's gone up all across this room. Lord, those of us that are needing freedom in our body, Lord, we need healing in our body. Lord, I pray that you would heal right now in Jesus' name. That you would do what only you can do. Lord, we may not even understand it, but God, we believe you can do it. And we ask you to do it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for those of us that are struggling in our minds and we don't have peace in our minds, God, I pray right now that you would give us freedom. We give it to you right now. and We receive the freedom that you paid for for us to have in our minds right now in Jesus' name. God, would you just flood this room with peace? Lord, that you would, that you would just, God, that you would replace all of those thoughts with thoughts of you because you already paid for it. God, for those of us that are here that, God, we're walking around with the guilt and the shame of what we've done in the past. We believe we're forgiven, but we can't let go of what we've done. Lord, I pray right now that we would hand you our guilt and shame. Lord, your word says that whenever you forgive us, you forget, but not only do you forget, you sent Jesus so that our consciences could be cleansed so that we could worship you so that we could live for you with all of who we are. So today we give you our guilt and our shame. And Lord, today all across this room, those that are here that for whatever reason they have a broken heart, we believe and we stand on the fact that your word says that you heal the broken hearted. And so today we ask you to heal every heart all across this room. As we stand right now just in honor of you, God, we just ask you, we want freedom in our heart. We want freedom in this area of our lives. God, would you do it? Would you do it? Here's the last thing I want to ask with heads bowed and eyes still closed. I told you earlier that, that we were going to have an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you don't know God. And the first step in this whole process, the first decision you have to make 
before God can take you on this journey is to enter into a relationship with Him. Not, not that you know about God, but that you give your life to Him. That you receive what Jesus did for you, the fact that He died and rose again so that you could have life to the full. And that's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for you. So if that's you, I want you to pray this. We're going to repeat this prayer. You're going to repeat this all across this room. We're going to repeat this prayer after me because nobody prays alone. But I believe, and the word says that if you mean this in your heart, if you admit and you confess that Jesus is Lord of your life, that he'll save you and you can know God today. So let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I receive your forgiveness today. I can't live my life without you. I'm sorry for trying to do it on my own. But today I thank you for saving me, for making me new, for taking my guilt and shame, for healing my heart, for doing everything that I need in my life. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.